welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Nice to see you all this morning. I'm quite excited about today. It's our first service of the year. And um, as soon as they are done passing the uh, offering baskets, I'm going to have them turn around and pass out to all of us a card and a pen. And the card is blank. And we're going to have what we're going to call our Shredder Sunday today. Not Shredder from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but shredder like a shredder machine we've got a shredder machine right down there waiting for you and what we're going to do is we know that over time and through the years that things attach themselves to you Uh, lies that you believe about yourself things that people have said about you things that um, want to find a way to get into your heart into your soul into your emotions and affect who you are and we believe that in kicking off this fast, this fast starts today, but we believe that in kicking off this fast, what we're going to symbolically do is you're going to have a chance to, on these cards, write down things that have attached themselves to you. So, bad emotions, bad habits, words that talk about who you feel like you are. Go ahead and start passing them. Yeah, and what I want you to do is when they pass you these cards, And if you don't have a pen, we have pens. We made sure that you could write something down. And I want you to hang on to these things. And during the service, if you realize there's something that has attached itself to you in your life, I feel this way about myself, and I know that it's not right, and I want to get rid of this. I have these thoughts about myself, and I know they're not right. I know I believe these things, and I know this isn't a right belief. I know my marriage looks bad, and I want it to be good, so I'm going to write down here that I am shredding a bad marriage because I'm believing God for a good marriage. I'm going to write down here, I feel like I'm broke, that I've got no money, so I'm going to write down here I'm broke, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to take that up, and I'm going to shred it in the machine because I know that God doesn't want me to be broke. The doctor said that actually I am sick and dying, not really me that's just an example but the doctor said I'm sick and dying and I don't want that I don't want to die I want to live and so I'm going to write down that bad report on this piece of paper and I'm going to shred it the doctor says that I have these issues in my mind or I have these issues in my body that I just have to deal with and I have to live with the rest of my life but I know the word of God says that I was made in his image and I don't have to live with those things so I'm going to write those lies down on this piece of paper and at the end of the service I'm going to come up and shred them and I'm going to send them right back to hell where they came from and then what we're going to do is spend the next 21 days praying and fasting and believing God to see breakthrough in those areas of your life. Amen? So as they pass these things out to you, I want to look at a scripture with you. Let's look at uh, Colossians chapter 3. Sorry, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 3. And as we talk about these cards and what I want you to do with them today, Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse um, 13, says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. I focus on this one thing. Everybody say focus. 
focus. I focus. I think about, I put my attention here. This is what I plan to do because I am focusing on it. He says, I focus on this one thing. And in my Bible, there's those two dots. And I think that is, is that a colon or a semicolon? <laughs> I don't know if you all heard, but Priscilla just said, it's a colon. What is wrong with these people today? Learn grammar. And what that colon means is he's about to tell you what that one thing he focuses on is. See, grammar is important. I don't know if you believe it or not, but grammar is important, especially when you're reading things and you're trying to understand what you're reading. Because he says, I focus on this one thing. Colon means I'm going to tell you what that is. And he begins to say this. Forgetting the past. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Can I get an amen for a second? Forgetting the past and looking forward, looking forward to what lies ahead. New Year's is always a big deal. And actually I'm reading a book right now called The Power of Moments. And it's an amazing book. And it talks about how important moments are in your life. And one thing that I found in this book that was really actually interesting was, do you all know, maybe Sydney won't really know this, and Summer won't know this, and younger people won't know this, but do you know, like, the older you get, does it feel like time speeds up for you? It does, doesn't it? And you're just like, I remember, like, I had this conversation with Josiah a lot, like, I don't know what happens. Just the older you get, time, you just have less and less time. Time speeds up and you're just doing stuff. So in this book, they actually talk about that. And they talk about how time actually doesn't speed up. It's the same amount of time. But what happens is you are not experiencing moments in your life. And it's the moments that break up the monotony of life that make you feel like you're doing things. That's why... Scientifically, they say most of your memories that you have about life, most of them come between the ages of 15 and 30 years old. And that's because that's when you experience most of your firsts in life. Your first loves, your first jobs, your first uh, uh, trips away, your first time going to university, your, your, the, you get married. All of your firsts, you move out, you pay your first bills. All of your firsts happen in those, those period of those 15 to 30 year old age. And they become moments in your life that you think about. And New Year's is always a big deal because it's when we actually stop and we always make a moment out of New Year's, don't we? Everybody makes New Year's resolutions. Old year is gone. 2018 has gone. 2019. This is what 2019 is going to look like. I was listening to a guy talk. He's from England. He was saying, I go to a tennis club, he said, in England. He lives in London. He said, and every year on January 1, I like how British people say dates. They don't say January 1st. They say January 1. It does make more sense. What's wrong with North Americans? Really, Cheryl, come on. What's wrong with us? He said on January 1, he said he goes to his gym to go play tennis, and the gym company has moved in all kinds of gym equipment because everybody makes these, what, New Year's resolutions, I'm going to lose this 20 pounds that's been dogging me for the last 10 years. I'm, this is the year I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to be in shape. I'm going to be what the doctor says I should. He says, so January 1, they bring in all this extra gym equipment. He says, by January 7, 
they take it all out and the things are back to normal. This is what we do. We make these big moments and um, New Year's is a big moment because we say, I'm going to make these changes in my life, right? We say, I'm going to, this is what last year looked like. I'm going to make this next year be something completely different. We have to forget the past and look forward to what's coming. That word forget, it actually means this, to lose out of mind, to lose out of mind, completely gone. Like you just lost it. You've lost those thoughts. You didn't just forget about them. Because you know when you forget something and you think about it, you think about it, you think about it, and then you finally remember what it was? But when it says forgetting those things, it means to lose out of mind so that they are completely gone. They're just gone to you. You don't dwell on them anymore. It says that you neglect them is another word for it. Just completely gone. So what we're going to do today at the end of the service is we're going to take a few minutes, and you're going to be able to come up. The, sh- I'm gonna, the shredder is right here, and I'm going to put it over here. And then you can take those cards and all those things and all those feelings that you had about 2018 and all those things that attached themselves to you. We're going to come up, and we're going to stick them in the shredder, and we're going to shred it and get rid of it. And we are going to hold fast to what the future says. We're going to hold fast to what God says about us. See, the interesting thing about human nature is we don't like to let go of something until we have something else to grab on to, right? We want to hang on to this as long as possible because if we don't have something to jump into, if we don't have something to go to, we're not going to do it. Like monkey bars. Do you remember monkey bars? Everybody remembers monkey bars? I think monkey bars are banned from playgrounds now. No, they're still safe? Well, we could talk about what are those things that's been around and around and around? Who remembers merry-go-rounds? Who doesn't remember a merry-go-round? Andrea, are you scratching your head or putting your hand there? Oh, okay. Because if you're saying you don't remember what a merry-go-round is, I'm going to say, hang on a second, man. Monkey bars, you got to climb from bar to bar, right? You've got one bar, and now that I'm older, it really hurts doing monkey bars. I feel like I'm always, everyone, I'm like pulling my arm out of my socket. By the time I'm done, I just need to lay down on the ground flat for 27 minutes probably. But you don't grab that next bar. You have to let go of this one, and then you swing and grab the next one. Humans don't like to let go of things behind us until we have something to grab forward to. But here's the thing. As believers... We have something to grab onto, don't we? We don't have to hang on to those lives in the past because we have the word which we can swing fully forward into and grab and say, the past may have said this. These people may have said this about me last year. Those bills could say this about me. All those things could say this about me. But I'll tell you what, this is what the word says and this is what I'm going to grasp onto and this is what I'm going to hang on to in 2019. So at the end of the message, we're going to have a chance for you to come and shred them. Now here's the thing. It requires some work on your part. If I say the word spiritual disciplines, do any of you know what I'm talking about? Put your hand up if you know what I'm talking about when I say spiritual disciplines. Nice and high, nice and high. Okay, so like half of us, maybe a little more than half of us know what spiritual disciplines are. For those of you who don't know, spiritual disciplines are things which we do in our Christian faith which are meant to help us build our faith up. So things like prayer, communion, reading your Bible, gathering together with other believers, coming to church, using your gifts, fasting. 
And let me ask you this question. You don't have to put your hand up for the answer to this one. Because it's not really a question like that. But ask yourself this. When is the last time of your own accord did you fast? When is the last time that you said to yourself, I need to pull back from my everyday life to spend more time in the presence of God, to hear what he's saying to me, to hear his direction, to hear his leading, that I need to pull back, that I need to take a step back from my daily life. Was it in the last six months? Did you do it once this year? Did you do it once in the last five years? Have you done it ever? But here's the thing. I don't know if you guys, do you guys all know Jesus? Have you heard of Jesus in the Bible? Okay, good. I don't know if you know this or not, but Jesus fasted. Did you know that? Jesus fasted. And he didn't just do like a little fast. He did a real intense fast. And Jesus uh, was always off praying. We see Jesus' ministry for about three and a half years. The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are a glimpse of those years when Jesus was walking the earth, doing what he was called here to do. And in those, in those books, when you read those stories, one consistent thing you find is Jesus is always off praying. He was fasting. He was praying. He was constantly withdrawing. I'm going to back myself out of this situation. Go over here. Spend a few minutes over here with God, praying, hearing what he's saying, hearing what he wants to do. And then I'll re-engage. Fasting, prayer and fasting, is a spiritual discipline that we are called to do. In Matthew chapter 6, I think. Jesus is teaching. Yes, Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about praying. And he doesn't, he says, and when you fast. He doesn't say, and if you fast. If you choose to fast. If you need to go on a diet because you feel like you need to lose some weight and decide to take a spiritual turn on it and go fast. If you do that, then do this. No, he says, when you fast. If Jesus prayed, if Jesus was fasting, do you know where I'm going with this sentence? <clears throat> if Jesus did these things, do you not think that they are things that you should do, that we should do in our lives? Oh, absolutely. North American faith is very interesting to me. It is very interesting because we, we come to church. We're very good about attending church. We're very good about going to services. We're very good about trying to do the right things. But when there's things that are hard on our flesh, like fasting like pulling away, like putting our cell phones down, like reading our Bible every day, like praying and talking to God. We tend to slack off on those things. 
But those are the core things of our faith that connect us to him. See, all the issues that you deal with in life and that I deal with in life, the answers that you need are found in his presence. But for some reason, we just keep running headlong into the same problem, thinking that if we just run and hit that wall hard enough in our own strength, in our own power, in our own ability, at some point, we're going to break through on our own. When God is saying to us, hey, if you would just withdraw and pull away and spend time with me, I will tell you the way and I will tell you the keys to how to walk through those situations. I'll show you how to navigate through that maze. I'll show you how to sail your boat, which seas to avoid, where the storms are at and how to get around them. I'll show you what you need to know to get to where I've called you to go. Let's look at a scripture real quick, just to back this up. In Mark chapter 9, it's a great story. And uh, for sake of time, I think I'm just going to tell most of this to you. Mark chapter 9. Oh, let's just read it. Let's just read it. Let's just read. Mark chapter 9, starting in verse 14. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Why you're flipping there. Let me tell you about this, this 21-day devotional we're doing. It's written by a man named Jensen Franklin who has dedicated a lot of his life to praying and fasting. And he has much, much understanding. He's a pastor from the States, uh, full of the word, full of the spirit. Um, so much so that, that the president calls on him often to pray and ask questions. Um, he has written a 21-day devotional. And what's great about, if you use the YouVersion app, what's great about this app is that you can get it on both your iPhones and Android devices. And what's so great about it is we can all do it together. So you'll find the link, like Cam was saying, on Facebook, or you can find it on my Facebook. I've shared it from my uh, page personally. And, and when you get it inside the app, you can invite people to join and what happens is, is we all read through this together, and at the end of every day, it keeps you on track. It has all these scriptures broken down, broken down for you. It has a devotional for every day. It's got a little video clip uh, of Jensen preaching about something. And at the end of it, it asks you for your thoughts. And then you can write your thoughts about what God said to you that day about those scriptures or about that video, about that devotional. And then everybody who is joined together inside this devotional plan can see what you said. And they can comment and they can say, oh, that really ministered to me or that really brought life to me. Or what did you mean by that? Or let's talk about this. So it's kind of like all of us together sitting in a big room reading the same scriptures and talking about them. So I would encourage you, if you have any kind of smart device, to download the YouVersion app and find that devotional plan on my Facebook or, or on the church Facebook page. And then we can do it all together. And it's really great. Okay. Anyways, back to Mark chapter 9. This is a story about Jesus healing a demon-possessed boy. And in verse 19, it says, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some of the teachers of religious law were arguing with them. 
When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe and ran to greet him. What's all this arguing about, Jesus says? One of the men in the crowd spoke up and he said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He's possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And he foams at the mouth and he grinds his teeth and he becomes rigid or stiff. So here's an interesting thing. He says, so I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. He said, I asked your disciples to cast. He said, you weren't around. So I found your disciples, the guys that hang out with you, that have followed you around, and I asked them to cast out this evil spirit, and they couldn't do it. Now, in Mark chapter 6, Jesus has already sent the disciples out. He's already given the authority to cast out evil spirits, to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to lay hands on them. He's already given them that authority. So here we are three chapters later, and somebody brought their kid to them, and they couldn't heal them. Jesus says to them in verse 19, Oh, man, you faithless people, how must long, how must, how must long, how long must I be with you? How long do I got to put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they bring the boy to Jesus. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a fit, fell on the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. Don't you love how Jesus reacts to circumstances? Verse 21. When you read the word, can you do me a favor? Can you read it like you're almost watching a movie and picture what's happening in your mind? Jesus is having a conversation. They're all gathered. There's people all around. They're all mad. They're all yelling. Jesus shows up. What's all the commotion? Why are you guys all fighting? They begin to tell him what happened and why they were fighting. And this guy says, I brought my kid to your disciples. They couldn't heal him. Jesus says, oh, bring the boy to me. The boy starts walking over to Jesus, sees Jesus. The evil spirit throws the boy on the ground, and he starts foaming and writhing and grinding his teeth, the Bible says. Jesus just stops in verse 21, and he looks at that, and he says, hmm, how long has this been happening? I, I don't know about you guys, but, man, if somebody walked up in church and they needed prayer, and they were coming to the prayer line. What happens if somebody gets possessed by a demon? They're, like, they're flopping around on the stage. And you're like, everybody's like, oh, my gosh. Get them out of here. Get these people away. We have a safe environment. Create a safe environment. Well, we all get all worked up. We're not sure what to do. Bring all the intercessors. Bring all the anointing oil. Bring everything we got. We got to lay hands on this person. We're all, like, worked up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, in this scenario... The boy is just on the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And Jesus just looks at the dad and he says, how, hmm, hmm, interesting, okay. How long has this been happening? He says, how long has this been happening? He says, um, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into the fire or into water trying to kill him. And he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Help us if you can. And as I say that sentence, I feel like God is telling me right now, there are some of you in this room that have said, help me if you can. God, if you can help me, help me if you can. And Jesus' response to the boys or to that is what? He said, if I can, let's go to the next verse. What do you mean, if I can? What do you mean, if I can? Don't you know that I am the Messiah? That I am the son of the living God? What do you mean? What do you mean asking me if I can? Look, that little, that little thing in your life, that little piddly circumstance you owe me. What do you mean if I can help you with that? 
what do you, come on. Of course I can help you with that. He says, anything is possible if a person believes. And here is a great sentence that comes along next. Because for some reason in our human minds, so often we feel like I can't go to God because I don't believe. Or I can't, I can't do this because my faith isn't strong enough. And the dad turns around to Jesus and he says, mm. he says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. God is not afraid of your lack of faith. He will meet you where you're at. He says, if you believe, anything is possible. If you just put your hope and your trust in me, anything is possible. And the guy says, mm, okay. He says, I believe, but I don't believe all the way. So help me or I don't believe yet. Let's go to the next verse. When Jesus saw the crowd of onlookers was growing, he turns around, rebukes the evil spirit, says, listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, Verse 26. <laughs> there we go. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed through the boy in another violent convulsion, left him. The boy appeared to be dead on the ground, and a murmur went through the crowd saying, He's dead. He's died. But Jesus takes him by the hand and helps him to his feet, and he stood up. Verse 28. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out this evil spirit? Why couldn't we take care of this on our own? You gave us authority. You gave us power. And you sent us out, Jesus. In Mark chapter 6, you sent us out. Three chapters ago, you sent us out. Why couldn't we do this? Verse 29, Jesus says to them, and this is the New Living Translation, but the New King James says, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. There are things in your life, those pieces of paper that you're supposed to be writing something down when you think about it, those things that have attached themselves. See, it's not the act of coming up here and just shredding it. It's not some magic trick where you write on a piece of paper something that's been dogging you and you say, I'm going to shred this and poof, it's gone. Divorce. Poof, gone. Alone. Poof, gone. Suddenly I'm not alone anymore. Depression in the shredder. Poof, gone. No. There are things that have attached themselves to your life that if you want to overcome, they will take prayer and fasting. It is part of your spiritual walk for you to walk through these things so that God can show you how to get through them. He can show you how to overcome them. And it takes you pulling away reading your Bible and praying and taking things that you would normally do and saying, I'm not doing that right now because I need breakthrough in this area of my life. And because I need breakthrough, I am not going to do this. Instead of doing that, listen, when you fast, the point of fasting isn't just to deny yourself something and go on with your normal life. The point of fasting is to deny your flesh something and then you take that time that you are denying your flesh and spend it with God. So if you say, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fast my lunches. Now you don't just skip lunch and work through lunch. 
You take that time and you withdraw like Jesus was always withdrawing from the crowd to a lone, deserted place. And you take that time and you pull away and you spend time in God's presence. And you read your word and you listen to him speaking to you. And you say, I can do without that food. I can do without my cell phone. I don't have to look at Facebook. I don't need to look at Instagram. I don't even have to look at Snapchat. I don't have to look at anything. Because what I'm going to do with my time, instead of spending it telling, look, looking at what the world is doing and what the world is saying, I'm going to spend my time looking at what God is doing and what God is saying. Instead of filling my face and filling my stomach, I'm going to go over here and fill my face and fill my spirit with the word of God. Because the Bible says that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. This is what a fast is about. It's about you withdrawing and retreating from your everyday normal life and replacing those activities with time in his presence. So we're calling a 21-day fast. I've given you lots and lots and lots of notice. And here's my encouragement to you. If you're writing things down on those paper and you're going to come up here and shred them, which obviously I want you to know nobody's going to look at those things because we're going to shred them. They're gone. But it's going to take you praying and fasting to see breakthrough in some of those areas of your life. There are some things, listen, you need to hear this. There are some things in your life that you cannot overcome without prayer and fasting. Why couldn't we cast this guy out? Why couldn't we cast this evil spirit out? There are some things that don't come out except by prayer and fasting. Do you want to see your marriages restored? Then you may have to pray and fast. Do you want to see your body healed and set free? Then you may have to pray and fast. Do you want to see your mind restored to what God says your mind should be? Then you may have to pray and fast. Are your emotions whacked out? Then you may need to pray and fast. Are your relationships all messed up? Is everywhere you look in your life, are people mad at you? Are you fighting with people everywhere you go? Then you may need to pray and fast on what's going on. See what's going on inside of your life. But those things that try and attach themselves to you. It's the prayer and fasting that will break that spirit, that will break that bondage on your life. So as we do this 21-day fast, I am making no apologies about calling a fast. And I am encouraging everybody to join in in some way on this fast. I believe this fast isn't just a fast for us purpose, uh, personally, I believe this is a fast for us corporately. For us to move into the next things that God has called us to do in this city, in the Fraser Valley, in this region, we need to be unified. Unified. United? Not divided? Unified? Huh, works. No, oh, there you go. Unified. They're all good. It's a colon. We need to be unified. We need to be walking in the same direction with the same desires. And that desire, above all else, we all have different desires for life, but the one desire that we all need to be unified on is seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done. 
Man, you got plans for your life? Awesome. Awesome. Go do those things that God has called you to do. But I guarantee you this, if we could all unify and say, God's kingdom come and God's will being done is the most important thing to me. Do you know what would happen? Do you know what would happen if we gathered as a church and as a body? If all we cared about was his kingdom come and his will being done. That's where we're going. 21 days. So, we'll talk more about this next week. We got three weeks. I am encouraging you all. Grown-ups. Kids. My kids are fasting things. Isn't that right, Josiah? Isn't that right, Squid? We're fasting things because we're believing to see God move. We're believing to see breakthrough. So I encourage everybody to find something. You say, oh, I can't fast food, so I can't fast anything. Well, that's not really true. You can fast all kinds of things. And I encourage all of you to find something to fast in this three weeks so that you can see God moving in your life and the life of our church family. Amen? Stand up with me. Do you have anything you want to say? Just reading a story here in Exodus about um, Amalek and Israel defeating them. And it says in Exodus 17, 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at um, Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men that will go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses and Aaron and Hur stood on top of the hill. Whenever Moses, you know this story, right? Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But when he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. Natural things can bring supernatural results. Did you hear me? When they lifted their hands up, they were winning. When their hands fell down, they were losing. When we fast, when we take this time, the things that you know that need to come to pass here in the life, the things that you are believing for will come to pass because natural things like fasting bring supernatural results. And people could say, well, you know, I'm already favored. I'm already anointed. You are favored. You're right. You are favored. You are anointed. You are a child of God. But for me in my family, that's not enough because if we want more, it's going to take more to get that more. And I don't want to end up at the end of my life seeing stuff that maybe I missed because I just didn't take time, like Jake said, to withdraw. And if I could encourage you in just even that picture of when their arms went up, there goes my tithe. <laughs> when their arms went up, they won. And when their arms went down, they, they, weren't, they weren't winning, but we're winning. Amen? We're winning and we're hearing the word of the Lord today. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.